contracts, we're talking about consequences of non-performance. So ultimately, what happens if a party fails to meet the standards of the contract? And this first episode is going to be focusing on express conditions. So we're going to be talking about what express conditions are and what happens if those conditions are not met. Well, an express condition is a provision that is written into the contract, and that provision is going to outline when the performance is due. The performance is going to be contingent on an actual occurrence uh, happening. So the condition is expressly listed in the contract as telling the party what the obligation of the duty is and when that obligation is going to be due. So a good classic example of how these express conditions work is simply if A, then B. So, for example, if your house burns down, I will replace it. Another good example is if you buy the hotel, I will manage it. Another good example is, actually, you know what, we'll just stick with those for now. It's important that the condition can, but does not have to be within your control to occur. A house does not have to burn down, but it could burn down. That's out of your control, hopefully. It better be out of your control. And then as a result, the condition will happen. Sometimes we become a little confused with the difference between an express condition and the promise to perform because there is a difference. Uh, One of the differences is that an express condition requires strict compliance, not just substantial performance, meaning regular promises to perform. A good amount of performance will often be enough, but an express condition means you have to do A in order for B to happen. And the failure to meet the condition is going to excuse the performance of the other. So for example, in the situation of if you buy the hotel, I will manage it, saying if the other person does not buy the hotel, then there is no requirement for me to manage it. So that's a good example there. I also do want to note that forfeiting the use of a condition is going to excuse the inability to meet the condition. So A good example of this is, if you buy the hotel, I will manage it. If the party ends up buying a grocery store instead of a hotel, they can't then demand that I manage the grocery store because the condition was a hotel, and they then forfeited that ability uh, to say the hotel part. There's quite a few... Restatement sections and UCC sections that I want to say, uh, just generally, uh, they're related. Uh, some things are specifically related to express conditions. Other things are related more generally. Uh, let's go ahead and start with the restatement. Uh, restatement section 235, subsection 2, says, When performance of a duty of a contract is due, any non-performance is going to be a breach. So, if, some, if you have a due date to perform, you don't meet that due date, well, then that non-performance is going to be a breach of contract. Let's jump to the UCC just briefly. Uh, UCC in Chapter 2, Section 301, says that the obligation of the seller to transfer and deliver and that of the buyer is to accept and pay in accordance with the contract. 
ultimately that's just saying you are required to meet the terms of the contract related to those goods. Let's talk about some of the remedies that are associated with this underneath restatement section 344, the purpose of remedies says that judicial remedies serve to protect one or more of the following interests of the promisee. Section A says his expectation interest, which is his interest in having the benefit of his bargain by being put in as good a position as he would have been, have the contract been performed. We'll talk about expectation interest in a later episode when we get to damages. Subsection, sorry, not subsection, uh, section 355 of the restatement talks about another possible remedy, which is punitive damages. Punitive damages are not going to be recoverable for a breach of contract unless the conduct constituted, the conduct that makes the contract a breach is also a tort for which punitive damages are recoverable. Uh, this is going to be pretty much never the case. Uh, punitive damages are rarely recovered from the courts. And they are only going to be recovered if a, to- if a tort was involved or if, uh, interestingly enough, weddings are involved. Courts tend to be pretty sympathetic towards uh, weddings and will grant punitive damages for contracts that will interfere with the performance of the wedding. Uh, Finally, Section 224 of the Restatement talks about conditions. And this is important because we're talking about expressed conditions. Well, a condition, according to the Restatement, is an event not certain to occur, which must occur unless its non-occurrence is excused before performance under a contract becomes due. So there are several elements that is talked about here. First, is that there needs to be an ascertainable event, uh, meaning, uh, going back to our examples of if A, then B, if you buy the hotel, the event would be the purchase of the hotel. Uh, The second element is not certain to occur, which means I may never buy the hotel. Another example of difference between certain and not certain is that death is certain, Uh, But what makes it uncertain in the situation of death would be if you say that the performance needs to, if the person dies before a certain date, uh, then that death is going to be uncertain because of that deadline. He may or may not die by that point. And then the third element is going to be not excused. And so an excuse is, it could be a waiver. Uh, forfeiture, which we talked about, and there's other excuses, but those are the two main ones that we discussed in class. So, best practices. Uh, In a situation where you have, if you buy the hotel, I will manage it. When the condition occurs, the performance becomes due. So if you buy the hotel, then it is my responsibility at that point to manage it. My performance comes due. 
If I don't, then that's going to be a breach of an express condition. It's also smart to add a provision for what happens if the condition never occurs. And a good example of this is by setting a time limit for the condition. So if you buy the hotel, I will manage it. However, if you don't buy the hotel within a year, well, then I will not need to manage the hotel if you buy the hotel after that time period. That's a good example of writing in a condition that may never occur. I think that's everything when it comes to express conditions. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials. And the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.